Our brother James tells us to count it all joy when you encounter various trials. Do you do that? Do I do that? Count it all joy, he says, when you encounter various trials because the trying of your faith produces steadfastness. And steadfastness, when it has its full effect, will make you to be complete and entire, lacking in nothing. And we're not complete and we're not lacking nothing. And this is why Father tests us. Not so he can discover what we're lacking. He already knows what we're lacking. He tests us so you and I can discover where we are securing ourselves in places other than him. Because the extent we secure our place in ourselves in any place other than him, we're not securing our place in him. We're not securing ourselves in him. And in this world, everything moves, everything breaks. And when they move and they break, we move and break with it. And he doesn't want us to move and break. He wants us to be complete, entire, lacking in nothing. Because we have found our heart's home only in him. But this is a process, brothers and sisters. I mean, I'm 100 years old, and I'm still not complete. But I'm much more complete than I was when I was 20, when I was 30, when I was 40. And I'm growing more complete every day because every day some little trial will come up, and if it bothers me at all, then I'm holding on to something other than him. As Ian shared with us this morning, where your treasure is, where we secure ourselves, where we abide, that's where our heart is. And our minds quickly go to those places that we secure ourselves. If we secure ourselves in our work, our mind quickly goes there. If we secure ourselves in sports, our mind quickly goes there. If we secure ourselves in this or that, our minds go where our security is. And if we secure ourselves in Christ and in heavenly things, that's where our minds go. Also, we studied in James that how Father treats the humble and how he treats the rich and the treatment of both. And then we studied about the fact that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father lights. He started off by saying, you know, when you're, when you're tempted, when we're tempted, don't think that you're tempted by God because God cannot be tempted. He doesn't tempt any man. But everyone is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. And when desire has conceived, it brings forth sin. It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is complete, brings forth death. And those desires are everything that we desire other than him. And if we desire things other than him, we desire it more, we desire it more, we get more off base, all off base. And ultimately, it takes our life away because we were meant to abide in him and he was meant to abide in us. And then that verse finishes up by saying, don't you remember that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no shadow or cast by his turning. So every good and perfect gift comes from him. And that is where we should place our heart's desire, in him and in those things above. And then a verse that I skipped over last week and I wanted to speak to today is by his own will, he begot us by the word of truth that we might be a first fruits of his creation. By his own will, he brought us forth that we should be a first fruits of his creation. Okay, who is the initiator in that? By his own will. Every one of us who are sitting in this room today are saved because God 
initiated. God took the first step by his own will. He brought us forth into life through the word of truth. And the word of truth is the gospel, the gospel itself, which John shared with us this morning. And the word of truth is actually Jesus' I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus was the living word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word. And it was the gospel, and it was through the word, through Christ, that he bore us into this new family, that we should be the first fruits of his creation. And I just wanted to share with you this morning, very simply, the gospel. Because I was with a man this last week, he said, I've never heard that. I said, you've never heard that? You hear that every Sunday morning. He says, no, I never heard it. How can we hear something and not hear it? When God begets you, when God begets me, when God opens our ears, we can hear it. The story goes, thousand years ago, in a Scandinavian village far in the north, there was a king. And this king ruled his people very well, but he ruled them with a very strong arm. And he knew that his people had a tendency to sin, and that sin hurt one another. So he put these rules in place, and they were very enforced, and there was very little crime in his kingdom. And then one day, somebody came forth and said, someone has stole my bag of gold. Everybody couldn't believe it. They had, they had read in history books of somebody stealing, but had not seen it. Somebody stole my bag of gold. So the king says, whoever stole this bag of gold, come forward and receive one lash of the whip. No one came forward. The next day, the king comes out again and says, whoever stole the bag of gold, come forward and receive two lashes. No one came forward. He did this the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day. Up to the 33rd day, the king comes out and says, who stole this bag? Who stole this bag of gold from this man? And no one came forward, but then there was a rustle. There was a little rustle out in the back. They said, we found the thief, we found the thief, we found the thief. And all of a sudden, he sees this form being pushed through the crowd and thrown in front of him. And much to his dismay, it was his own mother. Why would the king's mother need to steal a bag of gold? I have no idea. Maybe he didn't give her enough allowance. She stole the bag of gold. So everybody was horrified, and the king was horrified. So there was speculation, what will the king do? Well, it's his mother, you know, he just got to let her go. But you see, if the king let his mother go, then he would not be upholding the laws that protected his very own people. And those laws were written out of love. He gave the law for love, to protect us, protect them from hurting one another. So no one knew what the king was going to do. So the king goes into his kingly tent and whatever a king does in his tent, meditate, if he was a Christian, but I, was, he wasn't a Christian. So he comes out and there's a big column and he tells them, tie my mother to the column. And then he asks the, the man who's going to do this execution to come forward and he says, and everybody knows that 33 lashes of whip will definitely kill this old lady. So he tells the executioner, begin. And just as that executioner comes back with that whip, the king walks up to the column, puts his arms around his mother, and takes those 33 lashes. 
Now that, brothers and sisters, is a perfect presentation of the gospel. The king's love for his mother was in no way compromised or no way frustrated. But at the same time, justice and righteousness was completely fulfilled. And that's what we see when we look at the cross of Christ. We see our Savior putting his arms around us when we're tied to a column to justly die for our sins and him taking that in our place. So if there's anyone here this morning who think that you have done something, if you stole a bag of gold or if you stole someone's happiness or joy or whatever you or I have ever done, just know that we've got a Savior who put his arms around us and took our lashes, and with his stripes, we have been healed. Amen? Amen. Amen. So every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth, that we should be, by the word of truth, through the gospel, which I just shared, that we should be a first fruits of his creatures. First fruits. In the nation of Israel, the first fruits were the, this is what Father asked the children of Israel to bring to him as an offering of worship. Whether it was the first corn or whether it was the first tomatoes, whatever it was, the first calf, the firstborn male, you offer that and give that to the Lord. The tithes, the offerings, the first of the wealth, the first of our income, give to the Lord. And so he says that because we have been purchased, we are Jesus' act of worship, and we ourselves are the act of worship to the Lord. And we're told in Romans 12, present ourselves, our, ourselves, our bodies, as a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable worship. We are first fruits. And first fruits also mean that this is a new life. We have become something that no one ever had before or no one ever was before Pentecost. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives in me if you have invited Christ into your heart. And the Holy Spirit wants to produce the life of Christ. He wants to reproduce the life of Christ in you and in me. And as someone has said, Christ said, I gave myself for you so I could give myself to you so I could live my life through you. The only person who can live the Christian life is Christ himself. The only person who can love your wife is Christ loved the church is Christ. The only person who can have patience like a river or peace like a river is Christ. And he says, I have imparted this to you. And as you abide in me, I will abide in you. And my life and my love and my joy and my peace and my patience, my kindness, my goodness, my faithfulness, my meekness, my self-control, my very life will flow through you. You are, we are his first fruits. And he wants us to bear much fruit. And as we abide in him, he says, I will abide in you. The greatest promise in scripture, I will abide in you. And you will bear much fruit. You will bear the very product of my life living in you. And whether we're at the embassy or in education or in business or in schooling, homeschooling, wherever we are, our primary calling in life isn't that job. It's how we do that job. It's Jesus wanting to do that job, whatever that job is, through us. 
And as you and I allow him to live his life through us, then what happens to this world? It becomes a much, much, much better place. We ended last week with the verse, which I had skipped over this one, talking about be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the wrath of man does not create or work the righteousness of God. But where does anger come from? Anger comes from desires that have not been met, from goals that have not been met, from frustration. And that frustration manifests itself in anger. Something I wanted didn't happen. Something I didn't want to happen happened. That's where anger comes from. And you and I can pray a million years to be delivered from anger. He'll never deliver us. He'll never answer that prayer. But if you pray, Father, deliver me from that thing that I'm securing myself in, that when it moves, I become angry. If you pray that, he will deliver you. He will deliver me. And when that thing moves, that thing breaks, we don't find ourselves angry. Which is fantastic. We don't have to have anger management. We just have to get go, let go of all those things that could possibly happen. So then he goes on to talk about receiving the word. He says, don't be angry. Don't be angry about these things, but rather put aside wickedness and the desire for evil and receive with meekness the implanted word that is able, able to save your soul. Receive with meekness. Meekness comes when we are, we're broken. We understand that we cannot keep from being angry. We cannot be that husband our wives need, that father our children need, this or that, that employee that our bosses need. We can't. With meekness, receive the implanted word that is able to save our souls. And the implanted word, this is the, Jesus talks about the word, it's like the seed that's planted, it grows. As we receive the word of God, it works in us, it builds in us, it blooms in us. Jesus says, my food, my meat, is to do the will of the Father. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the Father. So it's this, this implanted word as we take his word and feed off of it, that is, that is, that's what he wants to be, our daily bread. Read through the Psalms, read through the Proverbs, read through the Gospels, read through John, read through the Old Testament. As you take that in, as I take that in, God says, my word will never go out and return unto me void. But it will always prosper where unto I send it. It'll accomplish that which I purpose it to do. That's what the Word of God will do for you and for me. And then the next verse, which we had our little skit on today, which we'll talk about next time we talk about James, is don't be, be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Because a man hears the Word and doesn't do it, he's like a man who looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets what he looks like. This week, brothers and sisters... Commit. At least there's, in the Proverbs, there's 31. Read one every day. If you have time to do nothing but that, read one every day. Or just start reading the chapters of the book of John every day. Just one chapter. Or just read one psalm every day. As we put the word of God in us, that implanted word, it saves our souls, not from hell, because Jesus saved us from hell. It saves our souls from being attached and entangled by this world, it renews our mind 
that we might prove that we are the first fruits of a new creation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And by this shall all men know that you and me are his disciples by our love one for another. Let us close in prayer. Father, we do thank you that through the word of truth, through your son, you you begot us. We did not seek you, but you sought us. We thank you that with his stripes we are healed. We thank you that you have recreated us, born us anew. Father, we thank you that you have given us the word that if we will implant it into our lives daily, that it will, will save our souls from losing their potential. That it will save our souls from error. It will save our souls from depression. It will save our souls to become all that you recreated them to be, the first fruits of your creation, to the glory of God, the home where Christ and your spirit dwell. Be it so with us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.